I'm also thankful to uh, Pastor Brian uh, for giving me this opportunity. It humbles me. I um, thought to myself, I really am the old guy, and one of the things I appreciate is that sometimes Pastor Brian will call me in uh, knowing that I've lived long upon the earth and will say, tell me what you think about something, because he knows I, I've got a lot of history. I can't think of anything when it comes to Timberlake Baptist Church that I haven't done, but we're doing it today. <laughs> 33 years, and I've never spoke to nobody before. Well, I realize you're all out there. I just can't, I just can't see you, and uh, Brian, you're right. It is a very strange feeling, and I am as excited, anticipating seeing um, a room full of faces uh, next Sunday, as of course you are. Well, this morning um, I've chosen a topic that I'm sure will be near and dear to all of us, including all mothers, but fits for everybody. We're going to um, look at the topic of waiting on the Lord. We have all been in this home stay or social uh, distancing restrictions uh, waiting for this season of difficulty to pass, and praise the Lord, it's, a, it's initially starting to move out of the way, and it, and it looks like we're going to get things started again uh, next week. But, but even as that passes, one of the things that you find is, as God answers one prayer and you're waiting on the Lord, uh, there's still a whole bunch of others, isn't there? I mean, it's, it isn't a season we, out of, we ever get out of. We're always all waiting on the Lord for, for many things. What are you waiting on the Lord for today? And in your waiting, are you waiting patiently? There's a difference between waiting on the Lord. Sometimes I wait on the Lord, but I'd have to leave that word patiently off. I'm waiting complaining. I'm waiting grumbling. I'm waiting... Reminding the Lord that if he wanted to just turn this over to me, I could probably handle it better than him. Then I have to repent. Um, but we go through those things, don't we? And, and thankfully, um, the Psalms are full of others like us that go through those things and contain answers for us on how to wait on the Lord biblically, how to, how to wait on the Lord patiently. So what are you waiting for? on the Lord for today, waiting on the Lord for a word that someone you have witnessed to and prayed for for years might be saved. Maybe you're waiting on a job promotion or your hope and your dream that you're waiting on is the ability to, to buy that first home. Or maybe it's much more serious. Maybe you've had recent um, difficulties and medical tests and you're waiting to see what those medical tests will reveal and what the, what the treatment options might be. We, we wait for physical healing to see, will God heal us? If you're a believer, we know eventually God will heal us, but will he heal us today? Will he heal us this week? We, we wait for that spiritual healing, that relational healing. We wait like the father of the, what we often call the prodigal son, who, who waited long for that child to repent and return. Many of us have that grief and that sorrow and that waiting in our heart. 
Maybe you're waiting for victory over a sinful habit that keeps pulling you down. And just when it seems like you've got victory, uh, again, you're, you're struggling and, and you're waiting on the Lord. Waiting for that someone special, perhaps, to come into your life so that you can enjoy the blessing of marriage. As I already mentioned uh, in the opening, waiting perhaps for a child, for the good word from the test that you're pregnant. And you're waiting in many tears like Hannah of old. Waiting. It's not any fun, is it? Um, I guess I'm supposed to push this button here. Waiting's hard. It's very hard. And especially waiting biblically, patiently, trusting the Lord in his way, his plan, uh, his timing uh, on things. But you know, waiting is Christianity. We live under the Lordship of Christ and we wait like all the saints of the, of the all the scriptures are just full of examples. Of Noah building an ark, waiting 100 years. 120 years, uh, Joseph in prison, uh, enslaved, waiting 13 years, Abraham waiting for a child for 25 years, Moses waiting for 40 years, and David waiting to ascend to the throne some 13 years. Uh, Hebrews tell us that they all waited by faith. They waited patiently. They, they waited trusting in God's promises. So when God is making you or me wait, we're in good company, aren't we? You simply cannot separate waiting from Christianity. And God has graciously revealed much about waiting on the Lord in his word. The word that's translated wait or, or waiting, um, they're used some 90 times in scriptures. And of course other words that would have the same uh, meaning that are, and the stories in the storyline of redemption are just full of examples and illustrations of, of people who had to wait. The testimonies are there. And it's all there to help us to teach how to wait patiently, to wait biblically on the Lord. Listen, waiting is very sanctifying. Paul Tripp said, waiting is not about what you get at the end of the wait. It's about what you become as you wait. God is working in us as we wait. And that's encouraging when you remind yourself of that truth. Waiting is often painful. Piper said, the pain of our shattered plans is also for the purpose of God's scattered grace. I like that, don't you? God's got a plan. And it might not seem like it, but he does. And, and he's got grace sufficient as we wait. Truly, we are not very good at waiting. And I think it would be a good thing for all of us to pray a prayer like I'm going to about to share you, share with you this morning. It's very simple. It's something that I've learned to pray. Listen to me for a minute. It's a one-liner. T 
Teach us, O Lord, the discipline of patient waiting on you. Will you pray that with me right now? Would you just bow your head wherever you are and just quietly and, and take a moment and pray with me this prayer. Teach us, teach me, O Lord, the discipline of patient waiting on you. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. So I'm preaching this message the morning, this morning to help us to understand the meaning of waiting patiently and how we would best pursue, perhaps, the discipline of uh, waiting patiently. So we're going to begin by looking at uh, Psalm 27. We'll look at other passages. Uh, there's so many that I could have picked. I picked Psalm 27, I guess, as, the, as my basis. It's my wife's favorite uh, psalm in Scripture. And um, Pastor Brian, I, I was so tempted halfway through all the preparation to throw all the stuff away and just do an exposition on Psalm 27. It's so powerful. It's so powerful. Um, but I am going to give you more of a, of a flyover, and we're just going to stick on, on this one uh, single topic of, uh, of waiting on the Lord. But this psalm is a, is a magnificent psalm. The heading in my Bible says it's an exuberant declaration of faith. And I would add, while David waits on the Lord. Um, we see the rising and falling of the emotions, the rising and falling of the, the fears that come uh, with waiting through this psalm, and he opens with a with a confident declaration in the Lord, and then we see um, his desire to have the presence of the Lord, and then the the, the deepening dependence uh, because of the dangers and the struggles that he's having. That deepening dependence on the Lord, which is a which is a good thing for all of us. It's a wonderful thing, and, and then we see how he declares at the end. The, um, the commitment to wait, and to wait uh, patiently, to wait biblically, to wait in courage on the Lord. And it's just a, it's just a sweet, sweet song. Uh, it reminds me of a, of a musical score. And uh, you know how, how a musical score uh, usually will, will start out up, and then the score goes up, up and down through the melodies. I know nothing about music, so this waving my hands doesn't mean anything. But it goes up and it goes down. And um, particularly in classical music, there'll be those crescendos. You're impressed I know that word. I looked it up today. I could spell it right. But there'll be those crescendos, those high points. And in, and in this psalm, David almost starts out with a crescendo, a high point, a declaration. And then he struggles. He goes up and down and up and down, waiting on the Lord in the middle. And then he, he ends on the crescendo. And uh, what a... What a tre tremendous encouragement it, it is to us in waiting on the Lord. Look at verse 1. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom should I be afraid? He is confident here in that, in that high note. It doesn't matter what comes. God's with me. And then look how he ends down at verse 13 and 14, if you would, I would have lost heart. I would have despaired 
unless I had believed. That's really what this whole message is about. What will we believe? Unless I had believed that I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait on the Lord. Be of good courage, and he shall strengthen your heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. You see, waiting and the temptation to fear go together. They always do. You can't remove it. We see it in this psalm. It's right there uh, at the beginning. We're all waiting on many things, and some of those things seem impossible to come to pass, impossible to be fixed, except for the fact that God is the God of impossible. Uh, and we're tempted to fear because we see no way possible that this could ever be solved, that this could ever be taken care of. And yet, David is going through the, the same thing. We're, we're tempted to fear because we believe the lie that there's no joy, there's no peace, there's no contentment, there's no satisfaction, there's no good life without whatever it is that we're waiting for. And David addresses that right here, right here in this psalm, that the thing that gives us life is not what we're waiting for, but the giver of life himself, which he trusts in. So he says, the Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. The Lord is my defense. And whom shall I be afraid? Or whom should I dread? And so we see that. And so our temptation is in our waiting to fear. We continue to fear, and if we're not careful, that fear will turn into despair, which is exactly what David is saying in verse 13. And when we begin to despair, if we're not careful, that's when we will take things into our own hands or we'll attempt to. I put it becoming God's little helper, except God doesn't need a little helper. This is a little side note. It's not in my notes. That's always dangerous, but it's Mother's Day. Why not? You guys know what it's like. You're driving, and your wife gives you a little help. And then I'll, I'll just look and snicker at Judy, and she'll say to me, you love it when I'm your little helper driving, don't you? <laughs> and every man here would say, amen. We want to become God's little helper. But God doesn't need any help, does he? And that fear, if we're not careful, we place ourselves in the place of God, which do you see it's ultimately idolatry and blasphemy? And so this is a very serious thing. So Davis helps us in this psalm. I, I didn't spend a lot of time um, in the commentaries, but there's disagreements as to exactly when the psalm was written. It may have been written um, during the time that David was fleeing from Saul. It's a possibility. David in here mentions the tabernacle and the temple. Um, so uh, it, it's hard to tell, but he certainly wrote it looking back, thinking at all the times that he was fleeing for his life, all the times that enemies uh, came against him, and he was continually looking for his fulfillment and his delivery from God, whether that was against Goliath or whether that was later on against 
the armies of the Philistines, or later on against Saul himself. David looked to the Lord as he waited for his deliverance and for God's timing on the promotion that he would be king. So we see David going through all the emotional ups and downs as we go through this psalm. We see him speaking truth to himself. There in verse 1, he's declared that the Lord is his light and his deliverance, regardless of the impossible circumstances. We see that he declares that the Lord is his strength and his, and his defense against his biggest enemies. And I think David would include unbelief in that. His biggest enemy is unbelief, believing that God can't really do this. And so he, he, he's battling that. He's preaching the truth to himself that we remind ourselves we need to. Look at verse 3 at the bottom. It says, in this I will be confident. D.A. Carson said, we can stop pleading with God to show us the future and start living and obeying like we are confident that the Lord holds the future. What is David confident in? He's confident in the fact that my heart shall not fear, though war rise against me. The Lord is his confidence in every circumstance, in every trial, in every period of waiting. You see, the Lord, if you look at verse 4, is his single focus, his desire and his delight. The Lord is his, his daily presence and, and prize. This one thing I have desired of the Lord, that will I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, and to behold the beauty of the Lord, and to inquire or to delight in his temple and his presence. This is what David wants. He wants to be with the Lord. You want to be with the Lord? So many times when we're waiting on something and it seems like God is distant and far away, then that appetite to be with him begins to wane. And the one thing we need the most can be the thing that we shy against. David knew that he needed the Lord and he needed his presence. David has experienced what we've experienced in our waiting. From our waiting, oftentimes we go to wondering or doubting. We start questioning. They start creeping in. Will God come through? And that's where this discipline of waiting is so very important. If we're not disciplined in our waiting, the wondering or the doubting will become our wandering. Our hearts are prone to wander. Lord, I feel it prone to leave the God I love, the songwriter said. In verses 5 through 9, we're going to see the, the swings up and down, and in these swings, discipline, disciplining yourself ahead of time is enormously important. Discipline is important, especially in the area of waiting on the Lord. We must discipline and learn to operate by principle rather than by desire. We must learn to operate and live by objective truth in Scripture rather than what we feel. And that takes work. But as we do that, we will be able to wait patiently in a God-glorifying way. 
And we see all these up and down the swings in these verses, the emotional and the spiritual swings that, that happen in life. Look at 5. For in a time of trouble, he shall hide me in his pavilion. In the secret place of his tabernacle, he shall hide me. He shall set me upon a rock. What a high. David is saying, they're attacking me. There's enemies all around. It doesn't matter. I'm as safe as can be. Nobody can touch me. Victory in Jesus, my Savior forever. He's singing. Look at verse 6. I will sing. Yes, I will sing. Praises to the Lord. He's on top of the mountain. And sometimes in our, in our waiting, we're on top of the Lord on the mountain, feeling like the Lord is right there. And look how quickly it turns in verse 7. Hear Oh, Lord, when I cry with my voice, the highs can go to the lows so quickly. Something washes over me, a memory, a thought, and the melancholy and the sorrow comes and have mercy on me and answer me. When will this happen, Lord? Answer me. Oh, Lord, answer me. Surely you have, you have been there. And then you start thinking, when you said, seek my face, Lord, my heart said to you, your face, Lord, I will seek. But where are you? You're playing hide and seek. Look at verse 9. Do not hide your face from me. Then if we don't preach the gospel to ourselves, we start believing the lies of our depraved heart. Don't turn your servant away. In anger, we start thinking God's angry with us. I sinned yesterday. This will never come to pass. Yes, you sinned yesterday. Isn't it thankful that has nothing to do with what will come to pass because the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses us from all sin. We must preach the gospel to ourselves. God's work and God's grace isn't dependent upon you and your work. It's dependent on his finished work at Calvary. Amen? It's what he has done. That's where our hope and our confidence is in. It's not in what we do, it's in what he has already done. And so we, we see these highs and lows. David even says that if his parents forsake me, God won't. David's gone through the forsaking of his parents. Likely, remember, he was the runt of the litter, the only one that didn't get invited to the feast. Not sure that that's what he's referring to here, but it might be. And so we see again the the highs and the lows that he goes through. And David knows all about waiting and the temptation to fear that arise in a person's heart. And he ends this psalm with this magnificent declaration. I would have lost heart or I would have despaired unless I had believed that I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait on the Lord, be of good courage, and he shall strengthen your heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. Believe in God. Trust in his character. Trust in his promises. Wait for an outcome, for his outcome, knowing he will strengthen you as you wait. And so this Psalm 27 is just full of encouragement in this whole idea of waiting for the Lord, but, but it's not alone. Um, There are so many other psalms. No way we could go them through. Uh, there's some 20 different 
um, places in the Psalms where this idea, the same idea we've looked at here, waiting, waiting expectingly, waiting, anticipating that God is going to work. And uh, it's a call, it's an invitation in each case for us to trust or each, in each case for us to, to renew our confidence uh, in the Lord. And I put two or three up there for you to look at. Psalm 37, 7, rest in the Lord and wait patiently for him. Do not fret because of him who prospers in the way, because of the man who brings wicked schemes to pass. You don't have to worry about the obstacles that seem to be against you. Just wait patiently on the Lord. He can overcome any obstacle, any person. Psalm 41, again, talks about waiting patiently. It's the idea, again, of waiting biblically, waiting in faith, waiting patiently for the Lord. He inclined me and he heard my cry, the assurance that while you're, you're waiting, God is near and he's with you. It's used twice in Psalm 62, verse 1 and 5. It's a little bit different here from the standpoint it talks about waiting silently. Truly my soul silently waits for God. From him comes my salvation. My soul waits silently for God alone. Not for me to figure it out. Not for me to be his little helper. But I wait for him alone, confident in his answer alone because I'm confident in him alone. My expectation is him, or it's from him. Reminds me of the song, Be Still My Soul. The Lord is on thy side. Bear patiently the cross in grief or pain. Leave to thy God to order and provide. In every change, he faithful will remain. Many others, but I must hasten on. Waiting patiently, it probably doesn't need to be explained, but I didn't want to run by it. Waiting patiently requires trust, or it requires faith. It's the idea of that expected waiting. It means that we wait by faith, trusting the Lord, who we can't see, but trusting his word or his promises that we can see, and he's revealed them to us. And that faith, that waiting faith, it pleases God. You want to please God? Then trust him. Trust his promises. Wait on him. And that, and that pleases God. You're familiar, I'm sure, with Hebrews 11, 1 and 6. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Oftentimes we can't see the answer. But that's why we need faith. But without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is. Do you believe that God is? Do you believe that he's holy and perfect and righteous and true? Do you believe that you're sinful and have violated God's law, do you, do you believe that apart from his grace, you'll split hell wide open? Well, if you do, why don't you repent and believe? Believe in a God who loves you, 
Believe in a God who you cannot see, but who has given you his word and who has fulfilled scores of promises that are in that word already and every other promise will come true. Believe in him. Repent and believe. It goes on to say that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. 2 Corinthians 4.18 says, We look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are unseen. For the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. So many times we can't see what we're wanting, but we know there's a God who sees and a God who rewards faith. You see, waiting isn't an activity. And we must learn how to wait patiently by faith on the Lord. And so that's what we'll look at for uh, the rest of the message. Fairly simple. This is what I do. I I'm a doer. Are you a doer? And, and I can't just sit there when I wait. I have to know what to do. I have to know something to do. So I, I, I put these together. They're a, a summary of so many books and so many articles and so many scriptures that I've put together to try to figure out what do I do because I want to obey the Lord. I want to I want to be a man who waits by faith, and I don't know about you, but I've got a dozen heartaches that I'm waiting for, and I can't figure out for the life of me how God could ever resolve it, but my trust is going to be in him by faith. And so what do I do while I wait? And these have been so much help to me. I, I hope they will for you. So I've put here three truths to embrace, three actions to take, and three prayers to pray, and they have helped me, and I hope they'll be a help to you. So, three truths to embrace. First, we must embrace the truth that God has already provided everything I need to glorify and enjoy him. I really don't need anything else, I just think I do, but if I have him, I have everything. Somebody jokes and will say, well, you're a Christian. To you, um, Jesus is always the answer. Uh, and I would smile and say, you are got it right. Jesus is always the answer. He is the way. He is the truth. He is the life. To live as Christ, there isn't any other answer. And so we, we, we have to embrace that, 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 that my joy, that, that everything I need in life has already been provided the day he saved me. What a glorious thing that is, but I need to remind myself of that truth, don't I? And in that truth, 2 Corinthians 9, 8, as an example, says, And God is able to make all grace abound towards you, that you, having all sufficiency in all things, may have an abundance in every good work. I can wait abundantly, successfully, and faithfully, on the Lord, not because of me, but because of him who is in me. And you can too. I have to remind myself of these truths. I need to embrace the truth that true satisfaction comes only from 
building my life around things that cannot be taken away. Now, we know that in our head, but in the middle of the waiting, you have to remind yourself of this truth over and over again. Jesus said, lay not up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moth and rust destroy, where thieves break in and steal, but lay up for yourself treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroy and the thieves do not break in and steal. You know the story of Job well. From a temporal standpoint, he lost just about everything there could lose. Oh, God, make me a Job if that day comes. God, make me a Job if that day comes. He said, naked I came from my mother's womb, and naked shall I return there. The Lord gave, and the Lord taketh away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. And all this Job did not sin, nor charge God foolishly. Yes, i got to embrace the truth. The true satisfaction comes about building my life around Christ and around the gospel, around his church. The only thing I'm going to take with me is his word and other believers. There's nothing else going with me. Everything else is going to be here. And so that's what you build your life around. And that's where your, your hope is is fixed. I must embrace the truth that delighting in God produces the fruit of the Spirit, which manifests itself in many virtues, but one is long-suffering, or one is patience, uh, the ability to wait by faith. And so I, I ask God to increase that fruit of the Spirit in me. And, and I ask Him, well, I'm delighting in Him. You're well familiar with the verse, delight yourself in the Lord, and He shall give you the desires of your heart. And when I delight in his word day and night, he'll, he'll make me like a tree planted by the rivers of water that bringeth forth its fruit in that season of drought, in that season of waiting. My leaves won't wither. And whatever I do, even if I don't get the answer I want, it will prosper because Christ will be my delight. Don't you want that for your life? I want it for my life. We have to remind ourselves of, of these truths. I like to summarize these truths this way. In the last several years, I have seldom spoken. When I don't remind myself and everybody else of these, I believe that the first time I ever saw them synergize for me um, was in a book um, that I read, and it just escaped me what the man's name was. Jerry Bridges came back. Thank you, Lord. And it's these three truths which summarize these things. You remind yourself that God is completely sovereign. You hear me now, he's completely sovereign. He's not a little bit sovereign, he's completely sovereign. And he has not lost control of anything. And when it feels like I'm falling and falling and there's no hope, I'm not falling. I'm in the palm of his hand. And I'm as safe as I possibly could be, and I'm in the best place I could possibly be. But I have got to anchor myself in the truth that God is completely sovereign. You better anchor yourself in that truth today before the waiting comes. Secondly, you, you need to anchor yourself in the truth that God is infinite in wisdom. 
God's never confused. God's never caught by surprise. God never not knows. And he's, he's got a plan, and he's working it out for time and eternity for his glory and for his good. God is completely sovereign because he's God Almighty. He's completely powerful. And that would be a scary thing if he were completely powerful, but he didn't have any wisdom in using his power. We see people all over the place in this pandemic who have got a taste of power and don't use any wisdom in utilizing it. And I just got in trouble for saying that. That wasn't in my notes either. But God is wise about everything. He does perfect wisdom. He's not only completely sovereign and not only infinite in wisdom, he's perfect in love. He's perfect in love. Nothing can separate me from his love. He takes his sovereign power and he takes his infinite wisdom and he uses it to arrange all the circumstances of life for his glory and my good. And while I can't figure it out, if I can anchor my soul in the cleft of the rock, in those three truths and embrace them, that will carry me through any time so that I can wait biblically and wait patiently on the Lord. So there's truths I've got to embrace, and I give you three actions to take. Now, I confess to you, this is Christianity 101, but it's essential. It's absolutely essential. And I make no apology to bring it to you. I read an article out of a FAA journal about three years ago that to me was stunning, and, and I copied it down because I thought it was so applicable to what I'm going to speak to right here. Do you know pilots never intend to crash? I mean, they don't get up in the morning and say, I think I'll get in the airplane, go out and take a spin, crash and die. I mean, they, they don't do that. They intend to reach their destination. They, they were made to fly, and they intend to fly. And as I, as I read this article, I learned that 15% of non-commercial, so I, I say that in case I've got any of our commercial pilots listening, of non-commercial pilot accidents are a result of pilot error. Okay, that didn't necessarily surprise me. I would suppose in many cases uh, an amateur isn't trained like a professional. But here's what blew me away. Do you know what the majority of those accidents are caused by? One single thing. It has to do with a lack of fuel or a mistake with the fuel. Now I want to tell you something. Running out of gas is stupid. And um, do you know that's the same with Christians we go into a time of spiritual battle and spiritual warfare and we think we can run without gas we, we think uh, the wind might be a little bit against this but I'll just put 20 gallons in you know they started doing that with the big airliners now well, how far are you going okay well uh, let's see Gas is heavy. We don't want to put any more than we have to. 
If I'm flying, I'm saying, fill it up, fill it up. It's okay, I'll pay a little extra. But it's the same thing for us. We can't fly without the gas of God's word. God's given us the spirit, the engine is in here, but we've got to put the, God, the word of God in, and we've got to meditate on it, and then we've got to obey it so that we can wait in faith, patiently. And sometimes that's when we feel the least like doing it. And it's in those seasons that we need it the most. So renew your mind daily. Recalibrate your thinking and your focus towards God. We've got to take our eyes off of the problem or we've got to take our eyes off the thing we're waiting for. We can't figure it out. Stop trying to figure out how God's going to do it and get into his word and learn about God. And let that anchor your soul. As you revitalize your soul, your, your faith will be energized and you'll find that the fruit of the spirit of patience is starting to be produced. That's why I said in Romans, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you might prove what is that good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. So, while you're waiting, daily renew your mind. Renew your mind deeply. You know, ever since we started this live streaming, Pastor Brian's messages have been stunning. I don't don't know what else to say about it. And I know you're sitting here. This isn't it isn't you. You would be the first to say it's not you. It's God's word. God's word is absolutely amazing. It has met us right where we are. And, and we have provided for you um, all of the notes and a study guide that is unbelievable. And you should be taking that and downloading that and using that in your family devotion time and your personal time and getting everything out of renewing your mind that you can possibly get so that having done all, you can continue to stand. Now, I only got about four people in here, but can I hear a big amen? Amen. All right, good. I can't wait until next week. I hope to say something like that, and we hear a loud roar of amens, Pastor Brian. So renew your mind. Secondly, pray and give thanks. Praying thankfully for what you do have rather than that what you lack. We have to switch our focus. So uh, again, there's that action and the, and the tendency is to think about this which hasn't come to pass that you're waiting for. Get your mind off of what hasn't come to pass and start thinking of all that God has done for you, all the reasons that you have to be thankful and pray thanking him in that way. Romans 12, 12 says, Rejoice in hope patient in tribulation, continuing steadfastly in prayer. And of course, 1 Thessalonians 5, 17 and 18 says, Pray without ceasing, and everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. So, we renew our minds, we pray without giving. And then I would suggest you remember the patience of God. While you're being impatient with him, Stop and consider how patient he has been with you. Take time and reflect. 
Isn't it amazing how patient he's been with us? I mean, I wonder sometimes, why doesn't God stamp me out like a bug? I deserve that and to be thrown into hell. And yet he's so long-suffering, he's so gentle, he's so patient, but that's his character. His character is long-suffering. His character is one of patience. And so, if he's that patient with us, why can't we be that patient with him? And you will find it will help you to be patient with him as you consider about how patient he was with you. Noah was waiting 120 years, and in 1 Peter 3 it says, speaking of those who were formerly disobedient, when once the divine long-suffering waited in the days of Noah, while the ark was being prepared, in which, that is, eight souls were saved through water. And I think in Second Peter you would be well familiar with the verse, the Lord is not slack concerning his promises, as some count slackness, but is long-suffering towards us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Let me ask you a question. Is he waiting for you? Is he waiting for you today? Have you ever turned from yourself and your sin? Repented and received Christ as Lord and Savior? He's calling you. He's waiting patiently on you. And I would encourage you to consider that truth today. Three actions that take lead us to three specific prayers I would encourage you to pray. It's the last point. Three prayers to pray. First, I would say, pray, Lord, strengthen me to wait patiently. Be very specific with your prayers. You're struggling in this area? Lord, strengthen me to wait patiently. Lord, strengthen me to wait biblically. Paul often prayed for others to be strengthened. One of his prayers you can see in Colossians 1, 9 through 12. For time's sake, I, I won't read that, but Paul prayed this for others, and you could pray it for yourself, and you could come alongside another brother or sister who you know is struggling in this area, and you could take this passage out and turn it into a prayer and pray for them. Pray that they would be strengthened in the knowledge and in the wisdom and in spiritual understanding of, of God, that they would walk with it worthily and they would be fully pleasing to the Lord as they wait on him and his glorious power. You know, Paul prayed three times as he waited in great pain. And, and you know, the answer he got was no. And yet he reveals to us in 2 Corinthians 12 in that time, it was actually a blessing. Um, God strengthened him in his weakness. He learned in the pain. He learned in the waiting to be delivered. He learned in the suffering that God's grace is sufficient. God's grace is sufficient. Do you believe that? He's given us grace far greater than all of our sin. He certainly has given us grace for anything we would suffer, for anything we lack and are waiting for. 
and, and we learn in this. And, and, and Paul declared that. And so we can, we can pray that we would learn that. God, strengthen me in my weakness. I believe the Lord is pleased to answer those kinds of prayers. God will strengthen his people as they wait on him in hope. You'll see this verse in lots of homes, Isaiah 40, 30, 1, but those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up like wings of eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Pray that God would renew you and he would strengthen you like an eagle. Lord, I, I have no breath in me. I have no strength in me. Lord, by faith, I'm going to spread my wings and blow through the power of your spirit, spiritual energy under me that I might soar again and believe your promises and glorify you and enjoy you and live for you and love for you despite what I don't have right now. God's pleased to answer those kinds of prayers of faith. Pray, Lord, keep me from foolish or sinful shortcuts taking things into my own hands. So many heartaches. Through the years, sitting in my office, so many, so many broken hearts of people who ran ahead of God, people who went ahead and did things. They waited. Pastor Brody, I waited. I waited 10 years. I waited 15 years. I waited five years. I couldn't take it any longer, and I went ahead. And I'm not going to give the list, but you surely can think of what some of those things might be. I went ahead. I moved ahead of God. And now I've got a broken mess on my hands. Oh, pray. Pray that, that you won't take a sinful or a foolish shortcut. Pray that God would protect you. In the model prayer, Jesus gives us so many things we should pray for, but I think, I pray often, Lord, deliver me from a temptation that would overwhelm me. Lord, at my weakest moment, have me painted into a corner that I could not sin. Lord, I plead and I pray that in the moment of temptation, you would help me to see the way of escape that you have promised would be there, but more than see it, Lord, many times I see the way of escape, but I have no desire to take it. Lord, work in my heart and change my desires that I will not only see the way of escape, but then I'll obediently take the way of escape. The Lord is gracious to answer those kinds of prayers. Lastly, Lord, remind me what I'm really waiting for. Isaiah 25.9 says, But it will be said in that day, Behold, this is our God. We have waited for him, and he has saved us. This is our Lord. We have waited for him. We will be glad and rejoice in his salvation. Look up. Look up, your redemption draws nigh. We, we wait to be like him, don't we? He's begun a good work and us, he will complete it, but we're waiting for that day. We're, we're waiting to be like him, but wait patiently. He'll get the work done. 
He'll get the work done. And we wait not only to be like him, but we wait to be with him, don't we? That's the way Pastor Brian opened this morning, reminding us that he might come before the end of the day. And so look up. Look up with great hope and encouragement. The ultimate end isn't the answer to my prayer or my desire about something I'm waiting for. The ultimate end is to be with Christ forever. And that is a glorious truth. For when we're in his presence, there's the fullness of joy. And until then, we wait upon him, we wait patiently, knowing that his ways are perfect. Wait, I say unto the Lord. Wait. So, just a quick review. Waiting is not inactivity. We're waiting patiently, and we're waiting by faith, reminding ourselves that faith actually pleases God. We need truths to embrace. We have to have truth in our mind. We must continually embrace the truth and then renew our mind on those promises, and then we pray for God to strengthen us in his word. So before I pray, we just ask this question. How's your waiting going? How's it going? Is there, is there something here that, that you need to place in your life that will help you? If there is, then I, then I trust that you, you will. There'll be a download that will come with, some, uh, with these notes that you can, um, you can look at and uh, study further. I would encourage you to one another, each other. Everybody's waiting for something, and everybody's struggling in their wait on something. Why don't you find out who's waiting on something? Why don't you be transparent and open it up and share with them what it is that you're waiting on? Why don't you become prayer partners? Why not? These are great, but it's, it, it adds to it if we speak truth one to another, if we can, we can speak to the other about what we struggle with. Why don't we do that and grow up in the fullness and the stature of Christ as, as the believers here at Timberlake waiting patiently for the glory of God. Father, we, uh, we do love you. We so desire to please you. We so desire to walk by faith. We're so frail. We're so weak. Lord, waiting is so hard. So many heartaches. So much sorrow, so much sin, so much broken. But thank you, Lord, you are close to the brokenhearted. Thank you, Lord, that you strengthen those that wait. You take through the person and the power of the Holy Spirit and you give us courage, Lord, to be able to stand, courage to be able to trust. I pray you would make us a mighty people for the glory of Christ. And I ask it all in Jesus' name. Amen.